Welcome to the Web3 Artist Spotlight, the podcast that shines a spotlight on talented artists who are leveraging Web3 technology to sell their art and connect with collectors in new and innovative ways. Through in-depth interviews, we learn more about the artists behind the art and uncover their unique creative processes, inspirations, passions, and the stories behind their captivating artworks. From seasoned professionals to emerging talents, we bring you a diverse range of voices from the Web3 community, and we delve deeper into how blockchain technology, NFTs, and decentralized platforms are revolutionizing the art industry. Sarah Bauman, also known as Sparky, is an Iranian-American multimedia artist who is the creator of Women and Weapons. This NFT community-based project puts women at the epicenter of the story and of the art. Sarah is also the voice of Nova, a digital influencer who helps educate others and further spread the word about this incredible NFT project. She shows love constantly to other women and is a true example of innovation and leadership in the Web3 space. And with that, Giancarlo and I welcome Sarah to the space. Well, hello there. That is a very, very sweet opening and one that I have not heard before. Thank you, guys. You're welcome. Our pleasure. Yeah, Jenny does the best intros, I got to say. <laughs> Everybody always is like, wow, I feel so great after that. So, all right. Thanks, Jenny. And thank you, Sarah, so much for being here today. We really appreciate you coming on as a guest. I'm obviously a you know, big fan of yours, uh, member of you know the, the Women and Weapons family, season one, season two as well. So... Super stoked to have you on the space today. Um, so why don't we start off this way? Like, take about five minutes and tell us a little bit more about your origin story. Like, let us know a little bit about more about who you are, where you grew up, when you developed your love for art, and then eventually, like, how you came into the Web3 space. Yeah, so um, I think a lot of people now know that I actually have a background in healthcare. I got my master's degree in occupational therapy. Um, I'm born and raised here in Dallas, Texas. My mom is an Iranian immigrant. Uh, she immigrated during the revolution in 1979. Um, and it's pretty much just her and myself here. Everybody else that's in our family basically still lives in Iran. Um, yeah. Uh, which I think is part of why, like, I'm so deeply tied to my Iranian roots because I've spent a lot of my summers in Iran. I've traveled all over the country of Iran, Um, I really feel like that's kind of where my home still is, honestly. Um, but ever since I was just teeny tiny, I've always loved art, every medium of art I could get my hands on. Um, I always loved coloring that kind of bridged into painting. And then from there that bridged into, um, my high school years where I was basically, you know, you get classes pretty much for free in high school. So I was like, I got to take all the art classes I can. So, um, I was taking ceramics, sculpture, film photography, painting, um, basically every class that I could. Um, and what's funny is I actually come from a very like artistic family. So my whole family in Iran are all artists, whether they're painters, graphic designers, architects, uh, sculptors. My family actually here in the United States, my dad's side of the family, um, are also phenomenal painters and artists too. So it was kind of ingrained in my genetics from an early age. Um, however, you know, my mom being an immigrant to the United States, um, I think she very much had this and, you know, also for the most part, a single mom, she really wanted to make sure that I had, um, a semblance of, I guess, a safety net with like a good solid career, which is a big part of why she was like, you're going to be a doctor, a lawyer or engineer. Those are your three options in your life. 
Um, so her and I compromised on occupational therapy. I was like, okay, it's like a little bit creative, but it's a little bit medical, but I also can't really kill anybody with like too much insulin or anything. So, um, I'm going to go ahead and go with occupational therapy. I did that for about five years. Um, I worked in outpatient therapy doing a lot of like stroke rehabilitation as well as like orthopedic rehabilitation, like post-surgical, um, migrated over to acute care where I was working with stuff that was a little bit more severe, like spinal cord injuries, traumatic brain injuries, and so on. Um, and then enter pandemic. Um, and I think if you talk to just about any healthcare professional out there that worked through the pandemic, they're probably absolutely over it. Um, the, the healthcare system just kind of wrecked me, to be honest. Um, and it was like Mm -hmm. physically, emotionally, mentally fatiguing, exhausting. Um, but it also gave me an opportunity to really kind of look at my life and be like, is this what I'm passionate about? Is this what I really, really want to do? Um, and that's whenever my husband, he got involved with, uh, the NFT space in probably like late 2020, early 2021 and kept really elbowing me and nudging me like, Sarah, you've got to look into this. Sarah, you've got to check this out. Sarah, you've got to get involved with this. Um, finally I did start looking into it. And I think just the realization of what blockchain technology offered as well as, you know, what the space and the community offered being like a burgeoning technology, especially for artists, whenever we did actually have royalties in perpetuity, I was like, wow, this is really incredible. I started delving into crypto Twitter. I was like, wow, this community is amazing. Like everybody's uplifting each other. Everybody's always like, share your artwork here. Like I'd love to purchase, you know, your artwork that you've not sold yet. Um, And that's when I think I really started, you know, jumping into the space as much as I possibly could. And there begins the original painted collection of Women and Weapons, the 10-piece collection. Wow, that's so freaking cool. Um, and you know, one thing that I found well, that was kind of interesting and so I thought it was really cool that actually you had worked as an occupational therapist, like before becoming a full-time artist, because actually personally I have a daughter, uh, she's actually, her birthday is actually going to be this weekend as a matter of fact, but, um, she's been helped greatly by occupational therapists and dealing with like sensory challenges and ADHD and all, and, and other challenges like that. So, um, I was just curious, like if you've ever, you know, miss some of that work that you did as an occupational therapist and like being able to like really help people and impact them like more on a, on a personal level or really, you know, as now, you know, being an artist really kind of fulfilled all your dreams and, and aspirations and things like that. So I was kind of curious about that. Yeah, that's a good question. Also, I very much resonate with the pediatric world. I did, I did some time in pediatrics for a little while there. So I very much understand the sensory and ADHD, uh, struggles. Um, but you know, what's funny is I feel like I've kind of filled that whole, like, Actually, traumatic brain injuries and strokes was my favorite area to work in because it's a very, your brain is extremely plastic. So it's constantly uh, changing and evolving. And you can see a lot of really impressive, um, like, progress in regards to brain injuries. But I feel like I've kind of filled that hole by wanting to be an advocate for people who are wanting to Mm -hmm. pursue their passions and trying to help them pursue their passions, whether it be you know, making connections for them or, you know, helping support them, elevate them, kind of give them guidance on the fact that persistence is key. Um, you know, I don't know that people should really just like give up everything lickety split and just pursue their passion. Like you need to wait until it's the right time. You know Mm -hmm. that you're secure. Um, but certainly I've been, I think, filling that hole by trying to help others and especially trying to help other healthcare practitioners because, 
you know, being a healthcare practitioner is a very specialized field and it's really hard to leave it. It's really hard to go into any other field of work out of healthcare. Um, and so I've been really trying to, you know, help people find what their passions are and be able to pursue their passions full time. And I think that that's kind of been filling that little hole in my heart. That's awesome. No, I love that. And I, and actually, so I was reading when kind of preparing for the interview, I read some of other interviews that you had. And I know in one of them, you mentioned that like a large and primary focus of yours is to do good for the world as much as you can. And that you really want to like empower women, encourage them to like get out there, take risks, be bold, be brave. Um, I was curious, how do you feel like you're doing in that regard? And you have any advice for like what else we can do like collectively um, you know, as parents, as you know, members of society, really to help further that cause? Well, first and foremost, I don't know if I can curse on this spaces, but, you know, I'm, <laughs> you can. I'm, it's okay. <laughs> I'm the type of woman that I am kind of like a take no shit kind of personality. Um, mm-hmm. And if you tell me that I can't do something because I'm a woman or because, you know, I'm a minority or whatever it may be, that's kind of just like a really great challenge for me. And I'm like, haha, F you, I'm doing it now. Um, but you know, I, I I certainly want to empower other women to feel that they can do the same. Um, you know, anytime that you're told that you can't do it, you're not smart enough. You can't build this. You can't build that. Like go for it. Be persistent. You know, one of the things that I actually noticed, this was, I think a big eye opener for me from VCon year one to VCon year two is I saw people at VCon year one who were wanting to pursue their passions and they were, you know, pursuing a, a multitude of, of ways to, gain that opportunity. And then I saw these same people at year two that had been extremely persistent and now were officially pursuing those passions or had that job that they wanted or officially landed that that position in Web3 or started their own company like Gentle Tornado, I think is a great example yep. of that. Um, also, Dav or Dave, who's in here right now. Um, but you know, I think one of the cool things that's happened with Women and Weapons is I've had a lot of women come up to me who have told me that like, the artwork, the vibe, the culture has inspired them to, you know, really push and be stronger and do more and, you know, feel empowered. But I've also had a lot of like dads, brothers, sons, cousins that have like female family members that are like, you know what, like I bought this for my daughter and I want her to look at it every single day and be reminded of how powerful she is and how tough she is and how she can do anything she wants. Um, And so I think collectively, one of the things that we can do you know, whether you're part of women and weapons community or not, is uplifting other women, whether it's your mom, it's your sister, it's your daughter, it's your aunt, it's your female best friend, non-binary individuals as well, like continue to uplift them, tell them that they can do anything that they put their mind to help them and guide them, especially, you know, I think there's a lot of people who have great ideas, but they don't really know where to start, um, especially in regards to like building Mm -hmm. your own business and building your own business is tough. You know, there's a lot of like tax structuring, there's a lot of business structuring and so on. Help them out, give them guidance, make connections for them. Um, continue to put these individuals on a pedestal, share their artwork, share their work, share whatever it is they're they're working on. Um, and I think that we can certainly continue uplifting women. And also if you're a woman in here, and I see many of you in here, like Mabel, like Lisa, that are I see Nikki. Yeah, yeah. Badass girls, Jennifer, I'm looking at you right now on this restream thing. Um I mean, oh, Annalisa here. Um, badass women who are doing awesome things, making amazing art. Just keep going. Um, be proud of yourselves. And don't feel afraid to ask for help and keep kind of pressing whenever you want something. Man, love that answer so much. And, you know, one other thing I was going to mention is I, I love that there's people like you, 
you know, in this space or, you know, Yam from, from World of Women, um, you know, because it's cool that like for some, like for like my daughter, for example, right, to be able to have like examples of people that are doing it, right, and successful. Even Alyssa is another good example, you know, um, that, you know, started their own, you know, projects or doing it or creating their art, making a living doing it and just kind of shows like the, what is possible, right? And that you, you can do it and there's proof that you can make it happen. So no, I love that so much. Um, and maybe a quick question. Other one I was going to ask you, I forgot to mention it before, before I go to go to your question, Jenny, was, um, so I know you, you're, you have a, the nickname Sparky. And I was kind of curious, like, where did that come from, the, the nickname? It's so funny. I get asked that all the time. Um, I've actually had the nickname Sparky since I was like a little kid, whenever I was a gymnast. Um, my last name used to be Sparks before I got married and became a Bauman, which uh-huh. is an exponentially harder last name to spell, by the way. Um, but yeah, I've always been called Sparky whenever I was in gymnastics, whenever I was in middle school. And then actually whenever I worked at my first hospital, uh, we had a Sarah who was a physical therapist, a Sarah who was a speech therapist, and then me, the Sarah that was the occupational therapist. So we had Sarah, just blanket Sarah, that was speech therapy. We had Sarah PT, that was the physical therapist, and then me, Sparky. Um, Sparky. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's, you know, it's stuck for a really long time. And I was like, well, I might as well bring it into the art world with me because this is my persona, essentially. So, yeah, it's it's been around for a while. Cool. Thank you for answering that. All right, Jenny, we can go to your question. Sure. Thank you. Um, The lore that you created is uh, very fun and empowering. I love that in the story, women are the only ones who can endure the infusion, which gives them superpowers. Because of this, then they play a critical role in the outcome of the war. Why did you choose for these powers to be exclusive to women? So I I feel like this is a little bit of my science brain coming out, but I'm sure many people know that there's differences in like the genetic makeup of women. Obviously, you know, we have two X chromosomes, men have an X and a Y. Um, We also have like kind of different mitochondria as well. And so that's where I felt like I didn't want to elaborate too much and get too nerdy in regards to science, but I was, (laughs) you know, we're going to build in something to the point that like there's something, you know, scientifically that it just does not jive with the male DNA, but it does jive with the female DNA. Like perhaps it's that they have to have two X chromosomes. Also, sorry, you can probably hear my cat meowing in the background. Um, Perhaps it's that you have to have the two X chromosomes to survive this infusion or whatever it may be. But I was like, let's insert a little science in here, get it exciting and spicy. I love that. It's such a cool idea. Um, Now, the project itself is very art-centric and community-focused. What's been one of your favorite moments that you've shared with your community? Oh, man, one of my favorite moments that we've shared, I think probably bringing Nova to life, um, seeing how excited the community got about Nova, about her spicy little personality that she has, um, and just being able to see like how these characters can come to life, how they can tell their story, how they can be your digital identity and so on. Um, but outside of Nova, I think one of the most exciting things that I've been able to share with the community has just been like the really cool stories that I'm told uh, from the community about how beneficial the community has been to them. Like I've had people that are within the community that have met each other and become best friends from across the country. Um, I know that there's two members of the community that are going to each other's kids' weddings uh, this year. Um, People who have made best friends from across the world who are going to visit each other. Um, And this is all without ever really seeing each other's face initially, knowing what each other's, like, 
cultural backgrounds are, what their political views are, what their religious views are. But it was just like this ability to make friendship without having to look at any of the stuff that usually makes us turn ourselves off to another person before we even give them a chance. Um, So that's been, I think, another one of the really, really beautiful things that I've been able to share with the community that's really come out of the growth of Women and Weapons. That's awesome. I feel like that's the key. Um, You know, like, as far as like the projects that are community-based, it's that connection, those bonds that you uh, wind up making and that you're basically the catalyst to that. It has to feel pretty amazing. Um, on Wednesdays, <laughs> you do a, a, wa- a, a WAW Women and Weapons Wednesday art post. Uh, can you share with listeners who may not be familiar what uh, WA or WAW Wednesday is and why it's important for you to spotlight these amazing women. Yeah, actually, I really encourage y'all to uh, check that out. I'll have to figure out if I can pin it to the top of this space without getting too distracted my ADD running too long. You know, one of our big focuses at Women and Weapons is to uplift women, uplift artists, uplift humans. Um, I think that's one of our greatest focuses here. Um, and so whether that's uplifting people from within our community when they're doing really cool things, um, and also just uplifting women who are also doing really amazing things, whether they're a part of the community or not. So pretty much every Wednesday since January, I've been illustrating a woman who blows me away. And we've been posting about her on our Women and Weapons page. And that's on our Twitter, our Instagram, our Discord, and our LinkedIn uh, with like kind of like a little rundown about who she is, what she does. Make sure you check her out. She's doing cool stuff. And so we've had people ranging from CEOs. We've had Avery Akinani on, several artists, people who are building really cool stuff. One of the um, CEOs and founders of Canva, who's a woman. And a lot of like these women that, were, that are doing incredible things who have kind of like broken through this ceiling that a lot of people don't know about. Like a lot of people didn't know that the founder of Canva was a woman. Um, And so like, let's continue spotlighting these women, showing them off, really um, making people care about the fact that they're doing incredible things. Uh, And so that's one of the big focuses for Women and Weapons Wednesday. I'll see if I can pin that up whenever one of y'all is is, uh, giving another question out. (laughs) And actually, I was going to pin something up as well (laughs) for for my question coming up. Um, but yeah, if you could find it too, I always find, yeah, it's hard to like multitask, you know, you're trying to like focus here and then like, okay, I gotta go find this thing. But, um, and yeah, but you know, so one of the questions I want to ask you is cause I, so I love the, the process videos that you show, like of you creating your like physical artwork. And I know you'd like, you share them sometimes here on Twitter, you've shared a lot on your like Instagram page and it's so cool to kind of see that process and like also how, the art pieces like evolve over time, right? And there was one that you actually literally just shared today that like after 45 hours of work over two months, you finally were able to finish it. So I did pin up the, uh, like your video from today of this piece, but I think it's just absolutely beautiful. And I wanted to see if maybe you could tell us a little bit more about this particular piece, what inspired you to create it, what it means to you. And I think it's going to be also part of a, a broader collection as well, if I understood correctly from your post as well. Yes, correct. Uh, well, thank you so much. And yes, I did actually finish her last night. I have a little bit like I have to shellac her still, but that's like the boring stuff nobody cares about. Um, but it's actually taken me a really long time to be able to paint on camera. Um, you, it used to be that as soon as I turned on a camera and started painting, my hands would start shaking because I was just nervous. Like, what if I mess up? Like, ah, you know, just even sharing the process with people really freaked me out that they would, you know, be seeing 
the pre-finished piece and judging it before it's done. Um, but this collection is kind of, I guess, kind of the brought to life version of the Shoja piece that I did for Instagram. Um, that was also part of my heritage collection. And this is very much, um, you know, I'm not a great wordsmith. I'm not great at explaining my emotions and my thoughts with words. Um, Ooh, this is cool. What you're doing on research. Yeah. Um, I was like, sh- sh- I could share the, uh, the super post. Fancy. Um, yeah. but you know, I, I am able to generally work out my feelings and my emotions and my, you know, abilities to advocate through my artwork. And so, um, I think a lot of people are privy to what's been going on in Iran and how it's affected the citizens of Iran. And don't get me wrong. I mean, Iran's been struggling since 1979. Um, but especially, you know, things came to a head this past year and my mom was actually in Iran whenever all of this came to a head. Um, and women were being killed. Women were being imprisoned. People are still in prison in Iran. That should not be. They're just everyday average citizens who were in the wrong place at the wrong time, or they were, um, you know, advocating for themselves against this regime that's been extremely oppressive since, you know, 79. Um, and it's something that's extremely close to my heart. As I said, the majority of my family still lives there and it, you know, it's people always say like, you know, they can just get out, they can just leave. And it's like, no, they can't just get out. They can't just leave. Like there's like 30 of us first and foremost, because Iranian families are massive and it's also extremely expensive Uh to leave. It's very hard to get all the family out at the same time. And so it's been extremely heartbreaking, um, you know, watching my family be oppressed uh, in Iran and, you know, not being able to be independent, to be free, to be able to learn what they want to learn, do what they want to do, have the jobs they want to have. I mean, you can't hold hands with your boyfriend in public in Iran, a woman and a man can't be on the same bus together. You can't go to the same public pool together. Um, you know, there's separate areas for prayer for men and women in Iran. I, our neighbor that was downstairs in, um, my aunt and my grandpa's apartment in Iran, whenever I was a kid, um, actually not even a kid. I think I was probably a teenager. She was walking through one of the parks and she didn't have her scarf pulled forward enough and they have the morality police. And I'm saying this with air quotes because you know how I feel about it. Um, and one of them yelled from far away, pull your scarf forward. She didn't know that they were talking to her. Um, so she didn't do it. She kept going about her business. Um, they come up to her and one of them kicks her in the shin um, with steel-toed boots and said, pull your scarf oh. forward. And she did. And she was like, I apologize. I didn't know that you were talking to me. He kicks her in the other shin and says, this is so that you remember this for next time. Um, And turns out she ended up fracturing both of her tibia uh, in her lower legs. But this is just like the tip of the iceberg of horrible treatment that the people of Iran are experiencing. And so um, these pieces are really close to my heart to kind of show the bravery, the tenacity, the independence, Mm -hmm. but also like the... Um, I'm trying to think of the word that I'm looking for, uh, vulnerabilities, the people in Iran experience while also kind of showcasing the beauty that is Iran, because it's my favorite place in the whole entire world. It's absolutely gorgeous. If anybody ever gets a chance to visit the country, you'll be blown away by the culture, the people, the food, the beauty. I mean, we've got forests, we've got mountains, we've got deserts, we've got ice, we've got oceans, everything that people have no idea is even there because nobody's had a chance to go and see it. Um, And so it's really my opportunity to kind of showcase how beautiful our culture is, how beautiful our people are, um, while also showcasing their bravery and the struggles and the vulnerabilities that they've been through. 
Wow. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it saddens me so much to see like the situation over there. And, and, you know, I mean, it, almost like we take for granted, I guess, in some ways, like all the freedoms and everything that we have in this country. Um, and I was curious also, like, cause you know, especially with a lot of your family being there, I was wondering if like, there was ever any concerns about like their safety because of the fact that like, you know, what you're expressing, what you're sharing over here, that they might t- try to like retaliate with people that are your family members that are still living there. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've actually tried to be very careful about like what I post on social media about my family, not sharing any photos of them, not tagging them in anything. Um, because, you know, unfortunately the government is extremely oppressive. Um, I mean, when my mom was there, I couldn't call her. I don't know if anybody was in any of the Twitter spaces that I was in when all this was happening, but like I couldn't call her. They cut off the internet, you know, in Iran and, you know, being able to access inside Iran. Um, there's been several instances where police have been involved with my family. They've taken thousands and thousands of dollars of stuff. They've arrested my family members. Uh, back when the revolution was happening, many of my family members were murdered and tortured. Um, and so I am extremely terrified of anything potentially bad happening to them. So I do try to be cautious about how much I share about them because I just want to make sure that they continue to be safe. Wow. Well, I'm so sorry to hear that. And I'll be keeping them in you know my thoughts and prayers. I'm so, you know. Thank you. I appreciate that. But you know what? The best thing that I think we can all do is just continuing to be a voice for people, mm-hmm. not just people in Iran, but people in all countries that are struggling right now continuing to be a voice and, and sharing with others, you know, what's going on in those countries, what can we do to help, how can we provide our assistance. And oftentimes, if that's just our voice and sharing the message, then you know what, that's, that's a help in and of itself. Absolutely. And oppression, one place is oppression everywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it really like just breaks my heart, to be honest. Um, I grew up with a lot of Iranian friends in New York uh, who were also directly impacted by that. And, you know, like, I love poetry and, I, you know, and I think that the Iranian people are just a beautiful, beautiful culture. Like Rumi comes from Iran, you know, there's just so much beauty and art and um, family and family values that comes from that. And it's such a shame that we don't all get to experience that. But I agree, the more we talk about it, um, the more visibility, hopefully in some future, this won't be an issue anymore. Um, and, um, I, I see that, you know, in a lot of your artwork, um, like I was looking also at the clothing that you chose for, um, the different uh, characters. Actually, my daughter and I were looking at the design and the art of the collection. And she really loved seeing how you fused, uh, the styles. She loves design and art. And, uh, we were looking at it together and we noticed that there was like, Touches of like Rosie the Riveter, you know, like strong woman um, meets Star Trek, Laura, Laura Croft, like from Tomb Raider, um, very glam at the same time. Can you talk to us about those fashion and style choices and why you chose them? Yeah, so Women and Weapons is kind of meant to represent like the mid-century era, right? Like you really saw that, I think, with my gouache painted collection. And then that carried over into the Women and Weapons season one collection. Um, but this is another time where women were kind of told like, stay in the kitchen. Um, but mm-hmm. women found a lot of independence working within the workforce whenever men were at war during that World War II era. Um, and so that's where I, I kind of derived a lot of like my inspiration for Women and Weapons. But 
you know, I think that one of my big, you know, wants to create women and weapons was because like, I wanted to see that tomboy reflection, which is me obviously within this PFP collection, but I also wanted it to kind of represent every woman. You know, there's a multitude of cultures within the women and weapons collection. There's a multitude of wardrobes within the women and weapons collection. There's of pride, obviously happy pride month. Um, and so on within the collection. So I wanted people to really feel seen um, and feel reflected in that collection. If they wanted that piece to be their identity, they could have it be their identity. They could have it be a reflection of themselves. Um, I feel like 35, Women of Weapons Season 1, number 35, is is really the, the true reflection of who I am. She's the blue laser eyes character with like the kind of telltale mm-hmm. century mustard colored collared shirt the dark flowy hair and then the blue laser eyes, because I mean, why wouldn't you want laser eyes? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I think it's really as much as possible be a representation of as many women as possible. So cool. Um, and so one other thing I wanted to ask you too, Sarah, so we've been, um, you know, obviously like in a prolonged bear market in the web three space. Uh, it's been really tough. You know, I think for many people, you know, obviously with some, concerns for people's mental health. You know, there's a lot of people like artists and maybe, you know, founders that, you know, that depended on people maybe still buying their work or, you know, being a part of their projects and things like that. You know, so it's, you know, it could have been pretty tough for a lot of people as well. Do you have any, you know, advice, words of encouragement for artists, founders, others that are just building and creating in the space, you know, for getting through these difficult times? Yeah, I think, you know, kind of the moral of the story is be persistent, be strong, and also diversify. Um, I think we've seen a lot of artists that were uh, natively NFT starting to bridge out into sharing their artwork on TikTok, on Instagram, on Mm. YouTube, uh, starting to sell prints of their artwork, maybe even selling merchandise with their artwork on it. Um, But also, like, you know, start reaching out to brands that you resonate with or that you think would resonate with your artwork. And Again, persistence is key. You may have to make a one pager about who you are as an artist with like a, you know, about your artwork and you may send it to like 90 people before one even responds, but you just have to keep going and also not, I guess, be let down by the no's that are going to come in. You just kind of have to use it as your fuel and um, kind of like a note on that. My, one of my best friends, Amber Vittoria, she's a phenomenal artist. She's extremely accomplished. Her artwork is actually in the background right yeah, now. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But she's starting to put up these little YouTube tidbits about like tips on being an artist. And she's kind of been like my mentor as I've been entering the space and becoming more and more of a full-time artist. And she's helped me answer a lot of questions that I've had. And so, you know, I think any artists that are struggling right now, want more information, just want to learn, you should definitely check out what she's putting out there right now, because I think what she's putting out there has been extremely helpful to me over the course of the last two years, and I think can also be very helpful for you as well. No, that's great advice. And I think it's so true. And I like, I like what you mentioned about like diversifying, like, you know, finding other ways to use your art to, to make a living and stuff like that. And we've actually had a few other guests that have brought up some like really good points. Like, I forgot which one, what it was, was it maybe Wildy? Yeah, it was, was the crazy. one. Yeah, well, the Martinez, right? Where she was like, you know what? Like, throw in, you know, artists, NFT artists in your LinkedIn profile, you know, because there might be companies out there looking for people to create stuff. And what are they going to do? They're going to go search those keywords, and boom, you know, your your name could show up there. And I think a lot of what you mentioned in terms of like merchandise, you know, 
Um, we had Eddie, you know, Eddie Gangland here. He's been doing a lot of stuff, you know, just creating like physical stuff, you know, like 3D printed, you know, characters, merchandise. Um, I know what is it, you know, Jason Sanders, you know, he also does a lot of stuff with like merch. So yeah, I think you just, it's like you kind of just be creative, you know, persistent, resilient, and uh, just try to find ways to, to keep doing stuff. Um, and I think one thing we've also talked a lot about too is even like the chains, you know, like, a lot of, of our artists in the space, you know, all of a sudden like Ethereum gas fees started going up and people weren't like buying like additions anymore. So everybody's like, all right, what can we do? Oh, let's look at Tezos. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, much cheaper. And so all of a sudden like there's been like a big shift and yeah. people are like, all right, if I can't mint my stuff here, I can mint my stuff there. And all right, I'm going to go where, where I can do stuff. Over yeah. and I've, I've been hearing really, really good things about it uh, as well. But, you know, also I think one thing to note is that Art is kind of a luxury commodity, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and even if you price it at an attainable price point, such as prints, for example, oftentimes it's still a luxury commodity. And that's kind of why I mentioned the diversification. I think, mm-hmm. you know, art is something that you put in your home and you enjoy for yourself or your guests come over and enjoy. Um, but people are probably going to continue spending money on things that they can wear, things that they can show off out in public, because obviously that's your display of who you are. That's your digital identity. This is why we resonate with brands like Nike and Adidas that put their logo on their clothing. Um, and so that's why I think like pivoting, like for example, Amber has started making her Amber Victoria bracelets. Mm-hmm. People have loved them because there's something that you can wear out. Somebody's going to point at it and say, oh, this is really cool. Where'd you get it? Oh, well, it's an Amber Victoria bracelet. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and so like one thing that I've kind of been toying with a little bit too has been like, you know, maybe I'm going to paint on some of my like old Madewell leather purses and who knows, mm-hmm. maybe that goes really, really well. And next thing you know, like I get some sort of a partnership with Madewell. Obviously, this is gold. So if anybody knows anybody that works at Madewell, call <laughs> Um, But, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff that you can get creative with that like lend more, to, or more so towards like wearables, where it's something that people mm-hmm. can be more willing to purchase because they want to rock it out in public in a time where, you know, these luxury items that stay within your household are not as popular. So again, diversify, start creating content, figure out how to monetize your content, perhaps even consider like creating a newsletter with your skill sets that you can Mm -hmm. also monetize as well. Um, I think there's a multitude of ways that artists can kind of diversify themselves, their knowledge, their skills, and so on to continue to make money, even if it's not in just canvas paintings or gallery showings or what have you. Man, that's such good advice. So smart. <laughs> Thank you for that, sir. Yeah. Hi, right, Jenny, want to go to your next question? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Those are great tips. Um, the big one being like, you got to be able to pivot, right? Um, mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, so you did mention one artist already. I was curious, what are some artists that have inspired you in or outside of Web3? Yeah, I uh, one of, I think, my favorite artists or a couple of my favorite artists in the Web3 space are Mumbot. Uh, Jen Stark, um, Amber Vittoria, obviously, Tifatron, who I've been obsessed with her artwork for freaking ever. Um, and then outside of the Web3 space, I'm very much um, a fan of Kahinda Wiley, Shepard Fairey. Uh, I love that kind of like retro propaganda style. Um, Greg Mike's another one that I'm a really big fan of. He's actually in the NFT space and outside of the NFT space. Um, but, you know, I have a lot of artists that I'm massive, massive fans of, but I'm also, I think a really big fan of kind of ancient artwork as well, or historical artwork being Mm -hmm. like the old mosaics that you've seen, uh, in Middle Eastern countries 
Also, um, I don't know if you guys have ever been to like an Egyptian museum or anything and seen some of the like uh, Ptolemy era paintings that people used to put on the sarcophagus and so on. I love stuff like that as well. So um, I think I have like a bit of a, a breadth of my interest whenever it comes to artwork. I love that. I love the range and I'm a big history fan myself. Um, so I totally vibe with what you were saying. Um, I wanted to pivot a little bit to Nova, um, the time traveling superhero turned influencer that you voice. Um, I think she's an excellent example of how new tech enables us to have a digital version of ourselves. Um, and I know that that's being discussed a bit also like with the Hollywood strikes and it's, coming up in conversation more and more, how do you see digital versions of ourselves playing a role in marketing and business in the future? I think that it's going to be something that we're seeing more and more frequently. I think we're starting to see this need for these digital identities to be able to move across multiple different applications, right? Being more interoperable. Um, but I was actually listening to Carly P. Riley's podcast, Overpriced JPEGs, and she had somebody on who was talking about, um, oh my gosh, what ERC, was it 6551 or something like that? Um, and that was kind of like an aha moment. And I think actually Fawocious is implementing something similar to that within his new PFP collection with his mm. backpack. Um, where you can basically like take these digital items, these like, you know, digital clothing items, digital shoes, whatever it is within your NFT, within your digital identity. Um, and so that was a bit of an aha moment for me that I was like, okay, I can kind of start seeing where a lot of this is going. Like we're going to want these digital identities, these digital representations of ourselves to not just be us within a zoom meeting or us within a video game. But, you know, I think like, for example, um, is it, oh gosh, who is it that's working with uh, the hundreds right now? I think it's like spatial. Um, yeah, I think. I think I can't think of names right now. Um, but like they're having a, you know, kind of augmented reality interaction with the hundreds. Perhaps people are going to want to enter that with their digital identity. So I'm seeing it being more and more important than ever before to start really creating those digital identities. And it's something that I think we're going to start seeing in our daily lives probably over the next five years. But also, I don't have a crystal ball. Um, <laughs> that's just me totally and completely speculating and just guesstimating where things are kind of migrating in the direction that things are migrating in. And I could be 150% wrong. So, uh, Not financial that, advice, right? <laughs> yeah, take all of that with yeah. salt, but you know, that's something that we're definitely focused on with Women and Weapons. And that's why we're trying to, as much as possible, provide tools to our community to support those digital identities. Um, but that's kind of the direction that I see things trending in presently. I would have to agree. I feel like if people are already planning for ways to sort of like uh, put parameters on that, it's because they know that it's impending and quick and it's going to happen quick. So I, I happen to agree. And I think it's pretty awesome then because you created your character way before a lot of these, mm -hmm. like you really are at the cutting edge of what um, will happen in the next five years. That's the goal. That's the goal. And I'm sticking to it. Plus, I mean, Nova is also the character that I think that I've always wanted to see, which is, you know, she's not like a fairy princess. She's not delicate. She's not really even sweet most of the time. Like she's a little grungy, a little gritty, a little sassy, kind of a bit of a fireball. She toes the line of being politically incorrect. Um, and I find that 
you know, extremely entertaining because I feel like there's not a lot of female characters out there that have that type of personality. Um, and I feel like I really resonate with that. And that's a big part of why I wanted to create her personality to be as it is and what you see now. That is so cool. And uh, I know we already started uh, getting some people requesting to speak. So thank you guys for uh, for requesting. I'd love to be able to then also turn over to, to some audience questions. But uh, before we go there, I did actually want to ask one more thing. And before we like kind of open up to, to people to ask questions from the audience, um, earlier in the week, you had tweeted that you had had some meetings that you were feeling like very excited about. And I was curious, is there anything you can share about those meetings? And if not, maybe or other plans or things you have coming out in the near future? May the odds be ever in your favor trying to get this out of me. No, I do not ever, 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 ever want to overpromise and underdeliver, And that's why I'm very cautious to not say anything until like I know for a fact that it's coming to fruition. But certainly have had some cool meetings that, you know, make me really excited, make me really hopeful, kind of give me like little tinglings of like the very early beginnings of another bull run. But of course, that's like, who knows? Again, speculation. Um, but it's definitely been exciting. So uh, keep your digits crossed, but also know that, you know, things take a while to come to fruition. But thank you for, for sharing that. Um, so I, I was trying to keep track of who came up to speak first. I think Nefemi, you were first. Uh, how are you doing Nefemi? Yo, Giancarlo, what's good, man? Oh man, doing great. Uh, Hello. Friday. How you been? Can can you hear me? I'm good. I'm good. I can hear you. I can hear you. I just wanted to make sure you could hear me. Yep. Yep. I can hear you fine. Uh, good, 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 good. How are you doing? Uh, first and foremost, as usual, you know, thank you to you and Jenny for hosting Spaces. And um, very, very happy to be up here. And of course, you know, I'll jump on on stage first to, to speak to Sparky. <laughs> hey, Sparky, how are you doing? Hello, Nefemi, one of my favorite humans on planet Earth. Great <laughs> sunshine, you. Hi, how's it going? Thank you for, as usual, sharing your story, sharing your space, sharing your art. Um, I'm very inspired by a lot of stuff that you do. And um, yeah, I just have a couple of questions. I'll keep it very short. Um, the first two will be short and the last one will just be something to think about. So um, first, what was what, what, your favorite color to paint with? That's a great question. And I've noticed it's actually a trend throughout my artwork and it's turquoise and it's kind of like a peachy pink color are the two that I think are very continuous throughout all of my artwork for a very long time. That's an interesting question. Nobody's asked that before. All right. All right. Cool. Cool. Um, second question. When, when you're taking a break from creating, what's the main thing you do? What's your go-to arrest um, procedure? I'll say <laughs> Outdoor activities, so that might be like biking, hiking, something of that sort, and spending time okay. with family. Spending time with family is like my ultimate recharge. I live for my family. They will always come first. That is the number for one most sure. important thing to me. And also, Nefemi, I got to meet at VCon, and he has a really cool book. Nefemi, you should mention the name of it real quick so everybody can hear about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a dystopian novel I launched, um, published a, a year ago called Toffee's Divide, kind of talking about AI and all the stuff that's kind of going on right now. So if anybody wants to check it out, um, I, I actually took a special copy for, <laughs> with Sarah's name on it. And I was like, I'm looking around VCon to make sure I found you. And I eventually found you. And I was like, I had to give you this book. 
I hope you can get into it at some point. Yes, I'm I'm definitely intending to. That is most certainly in one of my goals, but also it's Toffee's Divide, T-O-F-F-Y apostrophe S. I think I posted it in like my VCon hall photo, if anybody yes, wants to yes. see what the cover looks like. But yes, support Nefemi. He's a wonderful, magnificent <laughs> human being who I adore. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, Nefemi's thank you. awesome. Yes. <laughs> and Nefemi was actually on this space before. Um, so we got to learn a little bit more about his background, his story, and he also has a cool program. So if anybody in the room is an aspiring artist, if you had a, if you've had a dream of writing your own novel, or maybe even just getting better at writing long form content for newsletters, stuff like that, Nefemi's your guy. He's got a program. Uh, I can, both Jenny and I are part of right now about how to learn how to how to write your first novel. So uh, definitely hit him up. He's you know fantastic guy and great resource for that as well. I appreciate that. And let me ask this last one. And I know a lot of people on here to ask Sparky a question. So um, I, I'm currently I'm currently drafting a, a third book. Right. And it's around why we as human beings like documents, why we make stuff, why we create. So I'm asking a bunch of people the same question. So for you, Sarah, like when you're making your art, what is more important to you? Is it to make your art and be like totally immersed in the moment, right? Or do you care more about the outputs and the legacy that comes afterwards when you put your work out? Oh, that's a hard question. Uh, I think both equally. It's I'm very well aware that it's my meditation and that I need to focus on my artwork continuing to be my passion and my meditation. But I also want my artwork to always not always, but most of the time, like have a message associated with it that can create conversation. Um, so I think both, probably the legacy aspect is more so put into the planning of the artwork and then the immersive experience is the crafting the creation of the painting itself whenever I'm in the painting process. So it's kind of like a pre and a during, you know, one is one aspect and one is the other. Got it, got it. Thank you very much, sir. And continue to do your thing. I'll let it. Um, others up on stage and speak. Thanks, Nefemi. For sure. Thank you, Nefemi. Appreciate you, man. I'm going to go then next to Victor, man. How you doing, brother? G to the M. G to the M. I'm on a... so funny that I go after... I was, I, that uh, I go after roof. Um, I'm actually on my company's roof <laughs> right now, and it's like 95 degrees outside. Um, and I'm it's so important to get sunlight and just to like, you know, take care of our health. So for anybody out there that didn't know, it's men's, uh, health month. And I wanted to come up here and just, um, give flowers out, give flowers out to Giancarlo and Jenny for running this space. I think it's uh, absolutely amazing. Uh, this is, uh, this is by far one of the best interview spaces I've been in. Uh, Sarah, you are such a thorough and, and invested and intentional individual. I, I hear it in your answers and the way you speak and um, in the banter as well. It's a lot. It's definitely was a whole lot of fun to just um, sit up here and, and, and listen. And I wanted to um, just to offer some context about my question. I'm in the financial industry. I'm very passionate about um, educating uh, younger children and preparing them for the future because they will inherit uh, the earth. And um, one thing that, that I do in the financial industry is basically the the middle ground between uh, finances and and Web three, and uh, it's 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 a it's a fine line between you know onboarding and teaching kids about you know emerging technology, 
finances and what they can do to um to to make their mark and to and to stay ahead of the curve to maintain an edge what um what are some words that you'd like to offer a, a kid out there that might be in middle school or high school uh, or maybe your younger self uh, in, in this modern society, in this modern day and age to give them some encouragement uh, and point them in, in a direction so that they um, do stay ahead and, and, and do take advantage of these opportunities uh, as it, you know, as it pertains to um to, to the scenario that, that we're in, you know, with the digital evolution and um the, the the ability for ownership through the blockchain technology and i i, I guess um you you're leading by example um and I, I feel like that that's 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 my one one and only question sarah thank you well first and foremost kudos to you because we all know that financial literacy is not something any of us were taught in high school um mm-hmm. <laughs> Because I definitely got out of high school and I was like, how on earth do you write a check? What is taxes? Um, But I think one of the things that I would tell kids today is um, stay curious and continue to ask questions. Know that when you leave high school, when you leave college, that's not the end of your learning. Your learning is going to continue throughout your life. Um, And so if it's something that even sparks a smidgen of your curiosity, delve down the rabbit hole to learn all you can about it. Um, Know that podcasts are your friend. YouTube is your friend. Books are your friend. Um, And also meeting people who have similar interests to you are also your friend, not only because you can learn from those people and develop a community, but they can also oftentimes help you network and also help you grow in regards to your education and your knowledge. Um, And so continue to be curious, continue to ask questions. Don't be afraid to do so. Um, And also, you know, maybe don't always take things at face value. Continue to pry into them and learn more and more as you can. Ask questions is so important. Be curious and ask a whole lot of questions. Mm -hmm. That's a very thorough that's a very thorough answer. And uh, thank you, Shai. I'd love to be able to connect at some point and, um, and just uh, see if there's any synergy uh, between what, what we're building and doing. I definitely believe there, there might be. Thank you for the answer. Absolutely. I think we're following each other. So send a DM anytime. I'm slow at responding, but go for it. Thank you, Vic. Appreciate you coming up and asking the question, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for the stage. I'm going to um, go. All right. I'm gonna... No, no problem. Thank you. Thank you, Vic. Uh, I wanted to go next to JP Cool. Hey, thank you, Giancarlo uh, and Jennifer for hosting. What's up, everybody? GMGM's all around. Shout out to Isaac. Shout out to Victor, Gentle Tornado, Jeremy. Man, we got a bunch of, uh, oh, the Meta Day. There's a bunch of homies in the crowd. Um, so shout out to everyone. And Sarah, such an um, amazing time uh, getting to meet you at VCon. Uh if you remember, we were with um, my girlfriend Michelle, who you know is a collector, loves you. You guys met around the um, the museum and shared uh, um, some moments, which was which was fantastic. And I think off stage as uh, as well at um, after one of your talks. So that was a beautiful thing to see. One thing that I wanted to to ask you about is if you are familiar with um, how skateboarding in uh, specifically like Muslim countries, but all, you know, around the world has really empowered young girls and young women, um, especially that can't, you know, be play in other sports. So there's like skateboarding girls in Iran. Um, there's like a, in, an Instagram account uh, for that and some other things um, and other organizations that do work like that. So I'm wondering if how much of that is on your radar. And if so, if there's, if you're, you know, if you support that or if there's any way that I could help that support, because that's something that we do um, with Cool Crocs. Thank you. 
Well, first and foremost, if you're not a DJ, you should be because you have the best DJ voice ever. Um, but second, you know, I think I've seen like some photos here and there or articles about it, but I, it has actually not been on my radar, but hearing you talk about it, I'm like, well, this is really cool. I did not know that this was something that was existing right now. Um, and obviously being a tomboy who gave skateboarding my best college try when I was a kid and I failed at it miserably, that is super interesting to hear. And, uh, I'm really happy that there is something out there like that, that can empower women in countries that they are often not allowed to be empowered. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I I'll DM you more information about like the specific organizations that I've, that I've come across. That is amazing. Yes, please. I just followed you back so that that DM should come through. Well, thank you so much. Always great to hear more about you and about everyone in this space. So thank you everyone for, for having me and, uh, and hosting this much love everyone. Thanks so much, JP. Thank you, JP. Thank you for coming up. Appreciate you, man. Have a great day. All right, I'm gonna go next to my buddy Dav, man. How you doing? What's good? Oh, hey, what's up, everyone? Hi. Uh, yeah, it's good to see everybody. This interview is dope. I mean, I'm a. It's no shocker. I'm a huge Jake and Sarah stan. Already, I'm a big supporter. So, had to come up and show some love. But um, Sarah, I was after our recon talks. I was listening to Tom. I'm not sure if you saw Tom and Carly's uh, interview they had about like they had a recon or whatever. But they were talking a lot about like where. I don't know, digital art and like what AI is doing digital art. And Tom seemed to be very much like the artist he hired. He's like, yeah, we're just telling them to go learn about AI tools because that's the future. And their like pen stroking skills are going to be not as important or blah, blah, blah. He's like some dude was spending 30 minutes drawing a line. And then he learned how to use AI. And Tom was like, stop doing that. Go learn AI. And I was like, I don't know. if I don't know. If that's the extreme, right? So I'm curious your thoughts of, you know, what's the balance between or what you're doing with Jake between like, continuing to hone the true art skills in like the digital iPad world and painting and stuff like there's, I feel like there's the sparky hobbies half. Then there's like the, the, the business side of digital art mm-hmm. and women and weapons. I'm wondering like what your time spent versus like leaning more into your hand drawing skills versus like leaning into like learning tools and learning what the, where the puck is going as Tom says for the next like five or whatever years. Yeah, I actually just listened to that interview as well. Um, And that's kind of a similar take that we've taken with Women of Weapons. We're very much keeping our fingers on the pulse of AI. Um, And, you know, I'm actually using a lot of AI for some of Nova's like storytelling images. um, Because, you know, if we were to say have a lot of these images illustrated, it would one, be extremely expensive and two, be extremely time consuming. Um, And now we have the capability to use MidJourney to basically help build out these images of what Nova's world would look like or did look like or whatever. Um, But outside of that, I'm also using it to help me with kind of building out what my visions are for like my upcoming artwork instead of like sitting down and say sketching something out for, I don't know, three, four hours. I can input what my thoughts are and kind of like get a vision for what I'm wanting to develop within like 30 minutes now with a lot of my artwork. Um, So very much keeping our fingers on the pulse in regards to AI. We use it every single day with Women and Weapons for efficiency purposes. Um, It's absolutely been something that's been a game changer for our company. And I think that a lot of businesses are starting to implement it as well for efficiency. Just like Tom said, he basically told all of his department heads, like, you need to learn about AI and figure out how you can implement it into your department to improve your efficiency and your productivity stat. Um, and I think that was a smart move because obviously that's that's where the puck is going and we need to keep our fingers on it. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think I saw a hilarious meme this morning that I think echoes this. It was like, 
a building under construction and there's a billboard on the side of it that said like chat gpt finish this building and the bottom said like your job your job is always safe as like a construction worker and i was like yeah that pretty much sums it up well like people who are good at their craft and use ai on top of that are probably going to be turbocharged versus people who are just mm-hmm. like cheating you know what i mean like a really good artist plus ai is insane like you're going to be insane with nova versus someone who's just like i'll just go from scratch and fake it like it's not going to work out yeah, and believe me, I'm trying to like very much hint, hint, nudge, nudge all of my like healthcare friends to start getting into uh, AI, ChatGPT, MidJourney, and all of it because, like, of course, you know nobody talks about that in the healthcare sphere. But I'm like, guys, be privy to this, be early, know about it now. So, um, trying to share it outside of just this, you know, tech world and this Web three bubble that we're in, and also. Can I just say it made me so happy to hear somebody else call you Dav and not just me because his name is actually Dave, but I can't not call him Dav. And that happened many times at Vcon. I have to call him Dav because that's how it's spelled on Twitter, you know? (laughs) I have to call basically everybody by whatever their like Twitter or Discord handle is. Like I call Josh, his name is Josh, but his Twitter handle or his Discord handle is Senior Pants. So I call him Pants. And that's obviously not his name, but it's just like, I can't help myself. What do you do? I know I have such a cryptic name, you know, Dave to Dav is very covert. Nobody would ever know it was me. But honestly, probably in the next few months when I start doing more, I'll probably dox myself and change it all. So you'll be you'll be in luck then. He will soon be Dave. Yeah, soon. But yeah, Dave or Dav, <laughs> however you want me to call you. But um, I, I think it's really cool. Um, no, first of all, like the project you're doing, it's awesome. Like how you're really like tapping into and leveraging all the AI tools. But I also greatly appreciate that like you're sharing a lot about the process and like the stuff that you're learning along the way, like that post you shared today or was it today or yesterday, you know, I, I thought it was so cool. Like, you know, and, and, and actually just looking at like what you can do now with like that Adobe Photoshop AI capabilities. I mean, it is like mind boggling. Like you could just take like this image and be like, all right, fill in this part here, fill in this here. I mean, it is, it is incredible. And I think, yeah, I mean, it, it does, you know, I think it makes a lot of sense that everybody starts to like lean into this and learn like, how can I use it? And like you said, Sarah, other artists that I've talked to as well, it's like, maybe you still want to create your own art and stuff like that, you know, because you you enjoy it, you love it. But for like getting the creativity and the vision and a lot of the stuff that you have like in your mind, it's it's fantastic. And it's allowing people also that like didn't have maybe, or maybe are very creative, but because of like either injury, disability, uh, or just purely lacking the skills, you know, like, to be able to like create those things that they have in their mind, right? And now giving them the ability to like turn those, that creativity, those visions to life. So I think it is so cool. And uh, I also have like my, my day job as well, uh, working in technology, well, for healthcare actually, and um, we're doing a lot of work now to try. I'm, I have like a bunch of like proofs of concept and pilots of like how we're going to use AI to help us with like a ton of stuff, like you know, automating activities, processes, things that people are very repetitive. You know, so uh, so it's getting there as well. I think people, even not just outside of like creating art and other things like that, but even really like how do we make our workforces more productive? How do we like error-proof things? I think in like healthcare is going to be huge, you know, because there's so many things that, you know, where you can like make mistakes and you can, and, and now being able to like automate and, and use some of the like Gen AI capabilities is going to be like a game changer for sure. So I'm glad you're also like, you know, talking to your friends that are still in that space and be like, hey, you need to learn this, like get on, get with the program. So that's awesome. Yeah, John, and my last two cents that I'll step down is just to help people understand this more is like, I'm, I'm doing uh, what Tom says with all this stuff with AI. Like I'm trying to make 
cool art, but a good story. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how good the AI is like emotional stories and characters that resonate are more important. And also mm-hmm. it's no soccer that like I'm sharing partially cause I want to help learn, but like I am a hybrid between Gary and Tom. Gary's like document everything, do it all, share everything. Tom is like, mm-hmm. I'm going to hide for six months and black out and come back and show you what's awesome. And so it's like a mixture of that. I'm like literally doing the Gary model starting from scratch from 10 years ago, my first company. And that's how I know Gary. And so like, it's the same thing all over again. Very cool. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Fun fact. My name is actually Dave and I didn't know that. <laughs> awesome. All right. Th- thanks, Dave, man. Appreciate you being here, man. Hope you have a great day. All right. I know we had, I think I had Akash next. How you doing? Great. Thank you for having me, everyone. And a special thanks to amazing speakers here, Jennifer, Jan, everybody. And hello, Shara. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm having my first virtual encounter with you. There is only two words to describe you. Incredible. So I'm actually studying medicine and AI at Stanford. And we are actively engaged in the development of AI system designed to assist both doctors and patients in achieving optimal well-being. Uh, our primary focus lies on refining algorithm that will drive this innovative technology. We acknowledge that this is a significant undertaking and recognize that there is still a considerable distance to cover before reaching our goals. However, we have I have friends here like Sophia Kiani, climate activist from Iran, Phoebe Gates, Deja Fox. So my question here for you is, how do you think NFTs have the potential to create new opportunity and platform for women artists who may have historically faced barriers in the traditional art market? And my second question, what advice do you give to aspiring women collectors who are interested in exploring NFT arts and supporting female artists in this space? Yeah, well, I think first and foremost, one of the benefits that NFTs offer to a lot of artists that are maybe struggling within the traditional like artist realm or art realm gallery space and so on is you have a lot more independence and you have a lot more autonomy. Um, I think within the NFT space, you can kind of like you can drop your art at your own cadence. Um, You don't have to rely on a gallery to get your art in front of millions of eyes. Um, You know, you can choose what uh, platform it is that you want to drop on, what chain it is you want to drop on. People can purchase with whether it be crypto or fiat, they can purchase with both. Um, and so I think that there's a lot of benefits. And also you're not worried as much about scam art pieces coming out, like, you know, falsified artwork, um, because it's tied to the blockchain. So it's always going to be traceable back to you. And what's really cool, I think, is that you can know who your collectors are as well. Um, So I know there's been a lot of art pieces that I have sold that I have no idea where they went. I don't know where they are on the planet. Like maybe they're in a garbage bin. Maybe they're, you know, four families down. I have no idea. Um, But what's cool about blockchain is I can continue to trace that and, you know, perhaps even reward those collectors that have purchased my artworks later on in the years because of that blockchain technology. And so I think that aspect of it is really neat. Um, What I think is cool for people who are, say, wanting to collect NFT artwork is even if you're very new to the space, because I know that having a crypto wallet and getting crypto and so on and so forth can be very difficult. It can be a high barrier for entry. There's now also opportunities where you can purchase these NFT artworks with fiat. 
Um, so I know that there's a lot of different pages and marketplaces that you can go on to and you can purchase those pieces with that fiat. And I think nowadays there's, you're starting to see more and more pieces that are being sold as the NFT and as the physical artwork that comes with it. Um, we're seeing more pieces that are coming with the NFT and the physical art piece and the physical art piece has an NFC, NFC chip within it so that it's also traceable back to that NFT. Um, so there's a lot of cool things that I think are happening. Um, and a lot of cool things that I think are going to continue happening in regards to artwork with blockchain, with NFTs and so on that I probably can't fathom just yet. Deeply appreciate it. And my last question to you is maybe it sounds weird. But how have you encountered any criticisms or skepticism regarding NFT art and how you respond to those who question its value and impact on the traditional art market? I think there's always going to be doubters, no matter what industry you're in, whether you're in NFTs or you're in even the traditional art world. You know, people, there's plenty of people who think that like being an artist is a joke of a career, right? Um, so there's always going to be those doubters. I think whenever you meet those doubters with kindness and with a thorough explanation of what it is, you're more likely to win people over instead of like being rude and, you know, being like, you don't know what you're talking about. You're an idiot, blah, 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 blah. You're never going to win friends that way. Um, but rather taking the time to really educate people about what it is, why it's important, why the technology is interesting. And the fact that it is still a very new space and we are still figuring out a lot of our use cases here. Um, I think people will become more open-minded in that regard. But, you know, no matter what, wherever you are, whatever your industry is, you're going to be met with criticism. You're going to be met with doubters. And it's just a matter of how you choose to take that criticism and respond to it that uh, ultimately changes the way people um, choose to react and choose to think about those things. Oh, thank you. Do you are deeply, deeply an appreciation. Thank you so much. Thank you, Akash. And thank you also for your patience waiting to come up and ask your question. I really appreciate you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Akash. Appreciate you. And I know you, you've also been, on, on, you were in our last space as well with Shelby. So appreciate you joining another one uh, this time. And also, like like Sarah said, being patient and waiting uh, for your turn to speak. So thank you so much and hope you hope you have a great day. Uh, I think the next person I saw there was uh, Natasha. How are you doing? Hi. Yeah, it's pronounced Natasha, but it's cool. <laughs> oh, Natasha. Sorry. It's okay. My mom decided <laughs> that's how it should be spelled. So I've been living with that. I, I feel your pain. I get my name gets butchered so many different ways. So I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> How do you pronounce it? That's a John. It's oh, no, John sorry. Carlo. John Carlo. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just want to make sure. Yeah. Um, I just want to come on here and say that for one, uh, Sparky's awesome. I mean, she's such an unencouraging and loving and caring person and so i got to meet her at vcon the first one in minneapolis and so finding another artist that's in the space that was kind of on the same lines that i was doing like i create warriors uh, female warriors wielding weapons and so finding someone else who did that in the space you know different art style but still was doing the same message was just awesome for me to be able to connect with her on that level and then getting to know her over the year and seeing her again at VCon and her just cheering me on and um, even purchasing one of my one-on-one um, -on -one NFTs that I just dropped. So I felt like she's really in the space to really help people and support people. And I really do appreciate that. And so after I give you your flowers, I guess I want, my question is um, as a, as a physical artist getting into the space, uh, into Web3 and doing NFTs and stuff, what is a way 
that I could or other artists could market themselves on um, social media that helps set them apart and also help them get like sell out of their collections? That's a good question. Um, so first and foremost, I think, again, diversification. So having your artwork on social media, on Instagram, on TikTok, on YouTube, what is it called? YouTube shorts. Also on Twitter, really diversifying who your crowd is and bringing in a crowd that's, you know, perhaps not on Twitter, perhaps not on Instagram and so on and so forth. Maybe even considering like starting a newsletter where you can update people on your artworks that you're working on, provide little tidbits of videos in those newsletters, and then ultimately having like a, you know, central point, whether it's like a Hoobie account that like has multiple links for your digital collectible artworks, as well as your physical artworks, what have you. Um, I think really that diversification, that consistency of sharing what it is, sharing your story. I think one of the things that we hear day in and day out is people really resonate with a story. They resonate with a creator. They resonate with somebody that they like and they enjoy outside of just the artwork. And so I think if people can really enjoy who you are as an artist, enjoy watching your process, and also enjoy the pieces that you produce, I think that that's one of the best, not only marketing techniques, but also one of the best ways to really get to know who your community is and who it is that you're creating your artwork for. Um, but also, you know, you, I think, were wearing a shirt with your one of your women warriors on it whenever I met you the last day that we were at VCon or last day we were in Indianapolis. Was a yellow shirt, I think. Um, but also, like, having things like that for people who maybe don't want to spend money on a print. They don't have room on their walls to put something up, but they want to rock your artwork. Maybe they want to buy a shirt or something of that sort. Um, which yes, I did also get one of your one of ones yesterday. I also pinned it up to the top and I also pinned Dave's Dave's, uh, into Aureus, um, pin tweet up at the top as well. Um, but you know, continuing to support other artists, continuing to be vocal on social media, sharing your artwork, sharing your story. I think when people really resonate with you, that's whenever you build a, a kind of a sticky audience. Thank Thank you for sharing that. And, uh, yeah, so both actually for all, all every day for all the VCons, I've worn my design on all my shirts. So I have quite a I probably have like five or six shirt designs, but yeah. So I was like, I'm going to wear my art everywhere I go. <laughs> Good for so, you. That's the way to do it. That's smart. That's great. <laughs> so cause I was like, I need something to help me get through the day. And that's why I create these warriors is to inspire, encourage other people to embrace their, their power and their strength. And so I'm like, I need this reminder and I can remind other people by wearing the art too. So yeah, I definitely just, I am just now starting to get into the other social media platforms. And so hearing it from you, it's like, okay, yes, I'm doing, I'm going on the right track then. So thank you. You're welcome, sister. And also, um, I know it can be really tough having so many social media platforms. Believe me, I did not have this many social media accounts whenever I was working in the hospital. So this has been a big pill to swallow. Um, but use your, um, little helpers. So like hype fury is a great, um, is a great platform for scheduling like your tweets or your Instagram posts or whatever it may be kind of takes a little bit of the burden off of your shoulders. Whenever you can schedule it all ahead of time, like say you block out an hour or two hours to kind of like schedule two weeks in advance, uh, stuff like that really helps. Um, I'm also a big believer in LinkedIn. Um, and the reason I say that is because you can get a lot of times your artwork and who you are and your story and your thoughts and your opinions in front of, 
eyes that have a lot of pull within different like companies and brands and industries and so on. So um, also consider diversifying over to LinkedIn as well. And I mean, sometimes it's a slow trickle on LinkedIn, but you never know who's watching. And I think that's one of the more important things um, also. But use those little helpers, use those post schedulers and see if there's like AI that can help you with scheduling out your posts on the various social media platforms. There's a lot of stuff and tools out there. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all that. That's awesome. Thank you, Natasha. I appreciate you coming up and asking the question. So thank you for being here. Thanks, sister. All right. I don't think we have any other speakers, uh, but if anybody else did want to request, feel free to do so. Um, maybe one other question I did want to ask, and then we'll start to like wrap it up because I know we're all getting close to like the, the 2 p.m. time frame. Um, so one thing we usually ask, just fun question is, uh, so Sarah, what, what are your top three favorite movies of all time? Oh, God. Um, man, See, these are the things I need to marinate on for like 24 hours. Um, I know this is going to sound super annoying, but I love the Fast and Furious franchise. I know it's like the same thing over and over again, but I can't help that I like the fast cars and the cool shit. Um, I also like John Wick, that whole series. Um, <laughs> Jenny's like, yeah. Yeah. Clearly, I'm a glutton yeah. for uh, action. And then number three, I can't immediately think of a number three movie, but I can tell you I love Ted Lasso and I love Succession. Oh, so if that's I love Ted Lasso too. We just watched the the finale yesterday. I didn't realize like, it was oh, like end yeah. end. Yeah, end, end. That was uh, bull spit right there. I can't believe they just dropped that ball on us. Ended that whole thing. And now what's going to be my happy show? I don't know. HG I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so uplifting, so moving. Oh my god, I freaking love that. Show. Funny, like it just has it all, man. It's such yes. a freaking great show. Yes, totally love it. You know, it's a good pivot. I think is the Great on Hulu. I love the Great. It's hilarious. It's like a, it's a show that's supposed to be about Catherine the Great from Russia, um, and it's like semi fictitious, but it's hilarious. I highly recommend. The Great. All right, I have to check that out. All right, and one one last thing. Um, so. Aside from, you know, art and some of the causes that we talked about before, what else are you really passionate about, um, you know, aside of art, Web3 and, and those things? Um, I'm extremely passionate about animals. I love animals of basically every variety, um, making sure that they're housed, making sure they're taken care of. I love to, if not take in stray animals, because my husband would absolutely blow a gasket, at least make sure that they have food and water outside and like in the wintertime have a warm bed. Um, also extremely passionate about archaeology and history, which I don't, mm. I, I think some people kind of know that. Um, but I love to travel to like historical or ancient destinations like Rome, like Turkey, Iran, so on and so forth. Uh, love to constantly keep tabs on Smithsonian channel and, and their up and coming documentaries. So those are a few of my other favorite things. So cool. Oh uh, yeah. You and Jenny could definitely talk on the history piece for sure. <laughs> yes. I love it. I could I could go on for days. I won't even I won't even get started. <laughs> love it. I love All right. It. Well, Sarah, thank you. Thank you so, so much for you know being with us today. It was so cool to get to know like more about you. Um, you know, fantastic. Also, the, all the people that came up to ask questions. Thank you guys so much. Fantastic questions. And really appreciate your your answers uh, to, to all of them, Sparky. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much for being here today. Really appreciate it. Also for trying out this, uh, we have this live stream also going on, which people will be able to also uh, watch back later if you want, if you were on the, the, the regular Twitter space. But, uh, yeah, so really appreciate having you here. And uh, it's been a fantastic time.
Thank you so much, Giancarlo and Jennifer. I really appreciate you both. And thank you so much for everybody that tuned in. I see all of you guys. I know I met a lot of you at VCon. Please know that I'm sending you a very tight, distant hug. Hugs back. This is awesome. It was a pleasure meeting you. All right, guys. Yeah, such a pleasure. Friday and have a fabulous weekend. You too. Take care. Bye-bye.